My friends, the great experiment. Oh, the Lord, thanks. Thanks. Hit it. Trick. Trick. Would you look at that? The greatest trick. Trick. Did you people, you're all astronauts. Some kind of star. Trick. Trick. The greatest trick. Welcome to Greatest Trek. It's the new Star Trek podcast from the makers of The Greatest Generation. I'm Adam Pranica. I'm Ben Harrison. You kind of messed up the, the intro there. It's not the new Star Trek podcast. It's a new Star Trek podcast. That's right, because it's a butt joke. It's a butt joke. Yeah. Very subtle butt joke. Like, that. that's why that joke from Arrested Development... Uh, never really hit because it was uh, the new start <laughs> as a license plate, the vanity license plate, instead of uh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a new start. A new start, yeah. yeah. And why the the license plate from Seinfeld always hits because it's very literal. That's right. It's the ass man. <laughs> uh, we're doing an IRL today. Yeah, looking at each other during. It's uh, we're gonna do this and the next episode of Lower Decks, looking at each other during. Right. And I've been asked by our producer Wendy Pretty to remind everybody that there's going to be a special double episode or not a double episode but there's gonna be a second episode this week of greatest trek wow because we're gonna drop uh the the finale of lower decks day and date that comes out on thursday of this week dropping the finale on finale day yeah so you can watch that episode and then listen to us right after or listen to us first you know i'm shocked by this if you're a maniac you could listen to us first people have wanted us to drop the greatest Trek episode sooner, uh-huh. more on top of schedule. Oh, as it's I've, called. I've been hearing more that they just wanted us to drop greatest Trek, mm. like yeah. not keep doing. Look at this. There's a cat in my yard. What? There's a cat like sleeping out there, like it owns the place. I can't see him. Stand up. You'll you'll be able to see him if you stand up. Oh, he's a white cat. He's a white cat with like uh, brown and black patches. What a great looking kitty. I've never seen that cat before. There's another cat that sometimes comes into the yard, and I have not. You know how cats love me, right? I have noticed that. Yeah. You you saw this in person at our friend and agent's house the other day. Uh-huh. Our, our friend and agent made the move from uh, Minneapolis to Los Angeles to become more of a Hollywood power player, I guess. <laughs> and, uh, well, brought- being closer to us means he can keep better tabs mm-hmm. on on the program we're running here. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he and his wife moved out with their cat, and uh, their cat immediately loved me. Yeah. Um, but there's a cat that I see in my backyard sometimes that is such a skittish kitty that I have not been able to coax it over to me. If you're an outside cat, you have to be skittish, don't you? That's how you survive. I don't know. There's there's outside cats in this neighborhood that like like sleep in the middle of the sidewalk and let me pet them when I walk by. How could you ever have the kind of pet ownership vanity to think that you own an outside cat? The cat doesn't <laughs> think they're owned. The cat just sees you as a as a reliable stop for uh, for care and food, right? Right, yeah. This this is one of the many houses that has some bulls that are you of mean use nothing to me. to this cat. Yeah, yeah. Although 
Yeah, this is this is a neighborhood that has a much more lax indoor outdoor policy about a lot of different kinds of pets. Mm-hmm. There's a like there are definitely dogs in this neighborhood that are outdoor dogs. Like, and there's not, a peacock here too, right? There, there's a peacock. There's chickens. But like I'm not talking outdoor dogs like they go in the yard sometimes. I'm talking outdoor dogs like they run around the neighborhood and do their own thing during the day kind of dogs. Like uh, like an Eastern Bloc country, just a pack of wild dogs. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> I was walking Dar yesterday. Two different dog-based events happened to me on this on this walk. One, we were like crossing the street and there was a car waiting at the light. And a little, like, I don't know, Pomeranian or something, like, supermaned out the back window of this SUV what a to run up to Darwin <laughs> and say hi to him. Like, but ran across a, a oncoming lane to do it. There is nothing laughable about that moment. That's basically my greatest fear. My greatest fear is Ripley squeezing through a hole that seems too small for her, and then she just gets splattered by a car. Yeah, I mean, I never put the the windows down in my car for this very reason, because I don't know what Darwin's like. Like, I don't think he's smart enough to know that that's a bad idea. And Mm -hmm. the lady was, like, freaked out. Yeah. But there was, like, a a teen sitting on a skateboard under a tree that was laughing at at the whole situation. Yeah. I hope that teen dropped their ice cream cone. <laughs> Fucking asshole. But then I'm like like a few blocks further on in my walk and I'm I'm texting a joke to somebody. Like I thought of a joke in my head and, te- and was texting it to someone. You, who, who are you texting jokes to, man? Just various people. I text jokes to people sometimes. You never text jokes to me. Of course I text jokes to you. I texted you a joke today. You texted me that I suck today. <laughs> uh, and I, I look down and there's a, a little dog that has run up to Darwin. And it's like, it's one of these outdoor dogs. One is, of these Is Darwin cool with a run up or is he more of a Larry David dog? That's like, I, I prefer not to have that interaction. <laughs> it really depends on the dog. He was cool yeah. with this dog. He was, he was having fun with this dog. But yeah. uh, there are definitely situations where like a... Shepherd German has been off the leash mm-hmm. and uh, run up to him. And I'm like, hey, whose is this? This is a problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and your dog isn't big enough to to pick up in your arms in moments like that, is he? He's uh, – I'm not I, saying he's a chonk. I'm I could saying do it, that, but, like, he's yeah. got some length. I could do it, but, yeah, I don't know if I'd be able to keep him away from a Shepherd German if, mm-hmm. if uh, he was determined to fight or the other dog was, you know? Yeah. You might have noticed I've been looking around during the conversation. What I'm looking for, Ben, is glitter. And mm. what I'm not seeing is glitter. You've done a pretty good job cleaning up the studio. There's still a little bit in here. I do like I do spot one or two pieces on the carpet every time I come in, but I've I've vacuumed in here basically every single day since the uh the glitter bomb incident on our other hit Star Trek podcast, The Greatest Generation. Nice job, man. That uh it looks a lot better than I thought. That that famous picture you posted on the at Greatest Trek Instagram of just legs, you know, like the vacation photos uh-huh. of two hot dog legs sticking up into frame. Mm-hmm. That was basically what you posted to the Instagram, except those legs were covered in glitter. Uh, covered in yeah, glitter hot dogs, uh-huh. uh, <laughs> hairy glitter hot dogs, is what I posted. 
I'm glad we don't have to worry about the show title anymore, Ben. We got the, we got it out of the way. What do you say we get into the episode at hand? Let's do it. It's Star Trek Lower Decks Season 3, Episode 9, the penultimate episode of the season. Mm. It's called Trusted Sources. We open on a Freeman's log. Yeah. And uh, a great-looking flyby of the Cerritos, I thought. Like, they, you don't just throw away a flyby on an animated show. Like, it takes work. It and that does. sounds like an obvious observation, but it looks better and better and better every time we get one of these. Like, right on down to the reflection on the underside of the saucer. I was noticing that. like, yeah. And, like, the, the way the shadows diffuse from, like, the backlighting yeah. of the ship uh along that reflection it's really beautiful and i think does a really nice job of making the damage that the ship uh mm -hmm. <laughs> receives later in the episode feel more impactful like you really see one of the prettiest shots we've ever seen of the cerritos yeah right at the top of this and freeman is talking about this uh project swing by this planetary follow-up initiative that she has uh, been pitching to Starfleet and they're actually going to get to do it. It's like the rare time where Captain Freeman is actually like getting to uh, getting to do a thing that she actually wants to in her career. Admiral Buenamigo is the person who has made this possible. You need an in mm. at Starfleet for an idea like this. Yeah, and if only Captain Freeman knew an admiral. Hmm... Well, yeah, you're right. I mean, an admiral that isn't her husband. I guess so. Yeah, you don't want you don't want the appearance of nepotism or husband 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 or mm, yeah, nepotism means nephew, right? That's gross. <laughs> <laughs> it's still legal in some states, also. Yeah, yeah. What's up with those states? <laughs> Anyway. I think we're banning the wrong things. Yeah, yeah. Oh, here's a piece of glitter right here. Oh, yeah. All uh, right. There's one right there. God damn it. <laughs> we uh, we come into the conversation between Buen Amigo and Freeman, and this is great news. Yeah. Everybody's happy about this. It's a... It's it's happening in a McLaughlin group. Issue one. The, the FaceTime is with... Freeman and her senior staff. Uh, and, but when Buen Amigo kind of like sideline drops, like, hey, there's going to be a journalist from FNN following the whole thing, you know, mm -hmm. doing the publicity on it, and then signs off, Freeman immediately has a meltdown. This is terrible. Not that. This is terrible. The reporter. This ship's a mess. Why are you laughing? This is terrible. Now. She doesn't like the public scrutiny. Yeah, I mean, it's... It's like being told a consultant is coming into your workplace. Right, yeah. It, it's never good news. It feels like that magnifying glass can only find things that are not good. That magnifying glass only finds things that it cooks under the harsh light mm. of magnification. Mm. Yeah, it, it turns us all into ants, doesn't it? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, and it's also like especially frightening because the planet that he has selected for this mission is Ornara, which... Uh, folks will remember is the planet of people that were addicted to lentils. Right. Yeah. One of our earliest smash hit episodes of the greatest generation. Indeed. 
I was immediately uh, on the edge of my couch hoping for a Judson Scott appearance. Uh, we didn't get one of those, but uh, we do get a crash course on Felicium, the the drug in question. For the folks that uh, don't remember the TNG episode, it was Brecca got the Ordnarans addicted to this thing. Drugs can make you feel good. And then uh, at the end of the TNG episode, Picard just like basically he just refused to repair the ships that they had to get back and forth between the two planets, right? It's so interesting to hear about what happens in the wake of a demission. And I thought this series would be so much more about that generally. Like right. second contact being primarily what that's about, like picking up the pieces of first contact. But this is very specifically that kind of moment. Yeah. And the reputation that Picard has for the mission and the job that he did here is not great. Uh, then he left. He left? Yeah, that's... uh. That's how it went down. Seriously. It's interesting that this is the penultimate episode of season three and not like the second episode of season one for that reason. Yeah. But you're right. Uh, It feels totally harsh when you just hear the mission summary on paper Mm -hmm. and not the like Solomonic moral triumph that it feels like in the TNG episode. Like... (laughs) Like, reading the report does not flatter Picard. Did it make you think about Star Trek generally and the missions that the flagship does specifically in a different way? Because there's something, like, the thing for me about having a job where I had hours was mm-hmm. like, I'm I'm in, I'm out, and I'm done. And there's a sense of incompletion when you're at a galaxy class mission and you just like start the thing that you're made not to finish in a way that is unsatisfying in a way that I never felt while watching Star Trek The Next Generation. Like (laughs) when when the music swells and the credits pop up, it feels like mission accomplished. But what Lower Decks is making the case for is that no, it's not mission accomplished. Not at all. The show's over. Yeah. I mean, this also... uh reminds me a little bit of Star Trek 2 like the mm-hmm. hey like maybe we should be like making sure things that we put in place on remote planets are actually like unfolding well yeah like are the resources available to Starfleet so thin that you can't stay mm-hmm. you just can't you can start the thing but you can't stay is Ornara SETI Alpha 5 or SETI Alpha 6? Inquiring minds want to know. We'll find out later when they get really pissed off at us. Yeah. But in the meantime, they have to prepare for the arrival of this journalist, and uh, immediately the captain seizes on the idea of sidelining Mariner. I don't want us to look like fools. <laughs> Mariner comes uh, walking down the hallway covered in, in pie filling. And uh, she's all excited about the pie-eating contest that's coming up on the ship. And uh, Freeman just realizes that this is this is going to be embarrassing. You know, she's like, uh, you know, when we have company come over, I think my wife and I both get a little anxiety of, mm-hmm. like, what does the house look like? Is it presentable? Which has only gotten worse since we got a baby because we have more mess generally and less time to to deal with mess. Right, but neither of you are tracking baby food through the house the way Mariner is tracking pie filling <laughs> through the ship. Yeah. How, what kind of practice is she doing for this eating contest if she's walking through pie filling? With an eating contest, a lot of it is like how much of your plate you're cleaning. 
And if you're seated, the stuff is going to fall off your plate in your lap and on your feet, yeah? Right. So maybe she's practicing some sort of subterfuge where she can distribute pie filling around the ship and make it seem like she's eating it. Maybe she's planning on cheating on the pie eating contest. You better be ready to shovel some f***ing pie, Marty. Is she eating blueberry pie or is it an alien pie that <laughs> that's colored blue? I think it is blueberry pie canonically, but... Yeah. Uh, Maybe it's like a gin and tonics in the uh, Douglas Adams universe where there's lots of different things that are called that. Different cultures Mm. create different drinks, but they're all called gin and tonics. That's a reference I should know, and I'm really glad that you were that specific (laughs) because I didn't. (laughs) Yeah. Back in the bunks, uh, Boims and Rutherford and Tendi are discussing the many new rules that they've got to deal with due to Freeman's overcompensation. Uh, This is a quality that we've noticed about Freeman quite a bit when she gets obsessed with a thing, especially in matters relating to her reputation. Uh, She she gets wildly intense about it. It's part of the reason she went so wild in the spa station that she had to go to with her engineers, right? Right. I mean, I, I think about this a little bit with our work, you know, like with the glitter incident, we were like, well, we have to do something to control for that in the future. You know, Bill is the person that receives the inquiries about, can I send something to the P.O. box? And like a Freeman style manager would be like, keep a spreadsheet. And, Mm -hmm. you know, there has to be like a check in, check out process. And like, you know, would would make some proclamation that overworks the person unnecessarily. Like that's that's Freeman's problem is when she gets anxiety about how is the ship coming off or how is my command style reading? Yeah. She she makes like blanket proclamations that create tons of extra work for every single person that works below her. This will all end in tears. I just know it. Related to this, my question is, do you think Freeman is a good captain and do you think the show wants her to be? I think that the show in this episode is making the case that Freeman has actually a lot of potential as a captain and in many ways is like being underused mm-hmm. in her duty as the captain of a California class ship. Uh, yes, Arizona is very near California. But also it wouldn't be funny if Freeman was just Picard, you know? <laughs> I mean, with the way Freeman walks through the bunks area and then, like, tries to hide the reporter from Mariner and then, like, kind of turns out the lights on them. (laughs) She really, like, nut stomps her daughter, like, right in front of the reporter, too. It's why I asked, like, like, it's not just about whether or not she's a good captain, but she's kind of being a shitty person in this moment. and. I wonder if that's just what you lean on in a show where you're trying to emphasize the the greatness or the interestingness of the lower decks. Like, do we need a bad captain to emphasize our point there? I think um, you need a captain who is, who cannot govern their own fears, you know, like so much of like what makes a bad manager bad is that they're afraid of what's going to happen to them and their career. Like, like it's always careerism and, yeah. Uh, and like what they think of as their role in an organization. And those are always the things that influence Freeman to misfire as a, as a leader. Right. Right. So yeah, like she shuts the lights on them and like they immediately go to check out the pie eating contest to find out that it's been canceled. And there's like armed security guards 
like de-replicating the pies. One of my favorite things about this show is the side character that maybe we've met once or twice, or maybe this is the first time we're yeah. knowing them, where we are made to understand so much about them in so little time. <laughs> and this security person sadly throwing out the pies and not wanting to. Yeah. And the interaction that he has with Rutherford over this is like you could extrude this into an entire episode. There's so much <laughs> drama in it. <laughs> I love it. Rutherford fully tears his own shirt off. Yeah. He's so hungry for pie. I can't. You know I can't. Then stun me. No. Yeah, and asks to be stunned because I guess that would put him out of his hunger misery. Yeah. Very sad. He so looks good with his shirt off, though. Finally seeing Rutherford shirtless. Looking snackable. We've probably seen him shirtless wearing a towel in the Sonic showers, right? I guess so, but I don't remember him being this jacked. Yeah. He's really got like, he's got like a bod. Hot bod. Check out that bod. I don't know if he's, I don't know if he's jacked. He doesn't have enough lines to be, and by that I mean... He doesn't have enough drawn lines to be He, he doesn't jacked. have like the six tortellinis of a Commander Ransom. Right. But but like he's my chest doesn't like go out up top the way his does, yeah. you know. He does have kind of a barrel chest. He's got like he's, he's like kind of a swarthiness. Yeah, and like some and some like big thick shoulders like you can yeah. you could tell like a hug from him would feel really good. <laughs> We cut to an FNN, the Federation News Network interview montage. A bunch of crew people and sound bites finally ending with Ransom flirting hard with Victoria. I feel very comfortable talking to you. Was she turning off the camera because they were going to bang or was she turning off the camera because she was like, ew, I got to go. Victoria News A is her name. I just wanted to point out. I I think I think that didn't go over well because later on Ransom flirts with her again and she kind of rolls her eyes. Yeah. So if they banged, maybe she just wanted it to be a one night thing and like doesn't want any further involvement and he's being thirsty. I like that theory. Here's the thing. Like when she, when Victoria first appears on the ship, she kind of smirks. Yeah. Which suggests that it's possible for her to make an expression that is like that it's a that's non-professional. Right. But when Ransom makes the passenger, there's not there's like a blank expression on her face. Oh well. I think that's enough for today. Yeah, I would like I think we should do a a Twitter poll on this one. I'd I'd like to hear whether people believe that turning the camera off led to sexual intercourse or not. <laughs> If you have a floating camera around you as a as a reporter type, mm. how careful do you need to be with that thing <laughs> if you wanted to go to the bathroom or fuck or right. oh yeah, it's or the, anything. It's, it's the having the wireless lav on and taking it to the bathroom and talking about how you killed all those people. It's a big problem issue, I think. <laughs> Is it admissible in court? <laughs> Great question. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know. Um, but so, yeah, it becomes clear that, like, uh, like all of the fun parts of the ship have been shut down. Like, 
everybody not Rutherford from Beta Squad tries to go to the bar and they've, they're told that the bar is now the commander's lounge and only people on the approved list get to go in there. If you're going to do interviews for a project like this, it's probably the best spot Yeah, for that kind of thing. But it also made me think that Ms. News A is kind of tilting her report because she's got like an agenda. Like why, like why shoot people up, you know, with a backdrop of liquor bottles yeah. if you're, if you're fair and balanced, if you're, you know, being an objective journalist. I love the detail of the dressed lavalier mic cables, <laughs> you know, like nicely curled around the yeah. clip and all that. Like this is, this is a visual that is created by someone who knows. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Somebody, the life. Somebody who's been there. Yeah. In the like in the, the really m- hard rim light, also <laughs> like the video esque <laughs> rim light. It's great. <laughs> so a an away team beams down to Ornara to to continue this uh, this project of uh, of project swing by, and they find that Ornara is looking great. Nobody is like electricity gripping anyone. I was shocked that electricity gripping people didn't come into this episode in any way i thought you know when you see jet beam down as part of the away team i'm like oh shit jet's going down it made me worry for him yeah jet's fine Jet's fine yeah i mean jet's fine also yeah yeah that's a guy with some tortellinis under the shirt in a big shoulders contest i think you got to take jet over Rutherford. Oh, obviously. I wasn't saying that Rutherford had like the Adonis body. I was just saying his body is doper than I thought yeah. based on what he looks like in a shirt. Plus, you know Jet can take the highest tolerance in the sonic shower, and we're, mm-hmm. we aren't sure about that with Rutherford. True. The Arnarans are like, hey, cool. Thanks for stopping by. Nice to see some friendly faces. We do not need your help. Uh, everything is good here. I like that the guy introduces himself as Veneer, which sounds so much like Veneer, <laughs> which is how this polish to his society is made to look at this point. Yeah, He's like, we actually have no need for you. You're, you're very generous. Thank you for your offer of whatever we want, but yeah. we're actually doing fine over here. Wouldn't you know it, they were lucky enough to beam down right in the shadow of a huge mural that depicts what happened to their society after the D-Left. <laughs> like, they don't even have to go anywhere to see this mural. It's right there. There should be more murals depicting historical events, right? Like, and and hundreds of years, passages of time or whatever. That would be great. Yeah. The, uh, I like how the like art style gets real shitty for a minute there. Like initially the, the chaos and panic art is, is pretty good. And then it kind of devolves into crayon art Yeah, and then, and then improves to people having great bodies. And Benir explains that they're now, sort of addicted to like healthy living if this was like a renaissance style painting would this be Benier's vermeer (laughs) (laughs) yeah 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 beautiful lighting it would be part of it yeah not not that harsh video backlight you know yeah (laughs) i like that there's a butt in the mural too in Mm -hmm. the physically fit conclusion to the mural yeah yeah and uh, he's like, well, I've spent some time talking to you guys, but I got to start thinking about Baneer as a brand. <laughs> so I'm off to uh, run my 10K. <laughs> God, that is such a deep, deep <laughs> cut. No one's going to get that but me. <laughs> 
Uh, so this is like the conclusion of Project Swingby. If uh, right. if if you're doing the math, and this is a huge disappointment to Freeman because it doesn't. It, it's nothing, and the reporter's disappointed too. She wants this to be like a juicier story. Nobody's gonna nobody's gonna watch this report if nothing happened. So Freeman dials up Wayne Amigo, and she's like, "Look, everything is so cool here." I'm kind of worried about how it's going to look in the press. And Buen Amigo's like, well, why don't you check up on the Breckians? They're sort of like the other half of this story. See if there's something for you to fix over there. Yeah. So, uh, and the tone of the music changes right now in this episode. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so they're heading to Brecca to see if there's anything like worth their time to do over there. And uh, en route, Mariner catches Victoria, the reporter, and uh, goes into her quarters and uh, begins to spill the tea. And Ransom sees this happen, but doesn't like, I don't know why Ransom didn't just like do a shoulder roll around the corner and like order Mariner to go on like kitchen patrol or something, you know? Yeah, an anonymous lieutenant was stationed outside the bar and that person was sufficient enough to stop this from happening why doesn't Ransom feel like he can stop this? I don't know. Maybe it's his relationship to Ms. Nuse. Yeah, because she she was a little bit chillier to him on the planet. And maybe he doesn't want to make anything weirder than they already are. Glutes are cute, but obliques are fabriques. <laughs> oh, wow. I'm starting to see a theory come together here. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. In Freeman's ready room, Victoria arrives to do their interview. This is an inter- interview you save for last, right? What you're going to do if you're her is is interview all the subordinates, get a sense of what the real story is, and then and then interview the authority figure. Right. And what ends up happening here is this feels like some real gotcha journalism. Yeah. Freeman is caught way off guard by having past episode capsules read to her <laughs> almost verbatim and it's not a good look it's like uh if you clean up your house for the dinner party and a guest opens you know is thinking that this is the bathroom and opens the closet where you hid the mess yeah you know yeah that's basically what happens to to freeman and then they go and take a dump in that closet because they I mean, they don't want to. This is a dinner party that you're having in your college dorm room, and everybody has had 30 natty lights preceding it. You don't want to look like an idiot who opened up the wrong door. (laughs) You got to see this thing through. (laughs) So, uh, Mariner, the next day, walks onto the bridge, all finger guns, gets the hairy eyeball from everybody on there including the aliens that don't have naturally hairy eyeballs. And uh, she walks into <laughs> Freeman's office and, uh, and uh, Ransom is there too. And they're both fucking pissed. And Mariner is all but disowned in this scene. Yeah. I really love how this scene is composed because it's Ransom and Freeman on Mariner in conflict. But because Freeman is looking so often out the window... She's seeing the reflections of everyone in the room also, which means we're seeing all the reflections in the wide shot. It feels like Mariner is being ganged up on by more than just two people. It feels yeah. oppressive and large. Yeah, it's nice composition. And it's really tough because 
Freeman is convinced that Mariner just like went and tanked her career, yeah. like single-handedly embarrassed the entire ship and the crew and the captain to FNN and to punish Mariner to to get Mariner out of her hair and and off her long list of problems she is transferring Mariner to the worst place you can get transferred to We're finally going to see Starbase 80 huh finally it's pretty fucked up even Ransom is like whoa like we didn't talk about this Cap, this is really what you're going to do to your own daughter? (laughs) 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 Yeah, it's like going to dinner with James Corden and seeing how he treats the waitstaff. It's like, I thought I knew you. What the fuck? I thought you were nice and affable. Yeah, this is not... This is not the the bill of goods I was sold on your television program. (laughs) Uh... Yeah, Mariner even thinks it's like a candid hovercam situation because it's such a it's such a crazy overreaction. Yeah, she really can't believe it. Believe it. And she gets a real walk of shame. Yeah. Like nobody is on her side on this. Like Jennifer's not on her side. The rest of the beta squad is pretty uncool about it. And they like Starbase 80 sent a bunk bed shuttle to pick her up, like indignity of indignities. That's that might be the best shuttle they have over there. Yeah. But that shuttle's a piece of shit. Yeah. It's not even a well-maintained bunk bed. No, it really looks bad. Basically, everything in and around Starbase 80 is beige or beige adjacent. Yeah. Shades of beige. <laughs> United Colors of beige Yeah. It's, it's bad. Yeah. There's so much incredulity that Mariner carries on her way out the door. She really can't believe this is happening to her. Right, and everybody else is like, enough, Mariner, like, enough with your fucking bullshit, you know what you did. Yeah. Like, you can't just, like, why me your way out of this? And so, you know, she even gets her candle back from Jennifer. Like, Jennifer is is done with her. Yikes. Yeah. Freeman gets on the one MC to order the crew not to talk to her on the way out. (laughs) That might be the most hurtful thing of all. Yeah. But... That is an order not obeyed by Boimler, Tendi, and Rutherford, who in the bunks try to see her off in a way that Mariner does not want. Mariner has left Miriam Cruz in her career history, and she's never wanted to say goodbye. She doesn't want to say goodbye here. They're being like the kind of cool friends that know that their friend did a bad thing, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like when they're suggesting that she make an apology to try and like save some face or something. Like the assumption is that Mariner is getting what she deserves, but they're like sympathetic to her not being a person that's going to enjoy that. Right, right. And and that's what pisses her off is like, you're not, you're not even like listening to my side of the story. <laughs> like like uh, Boimler, Tendi and Rutherford don't assume that something awful has happened, but based on the pattern of behavior up to that point, can't help but do that. Right, right. So, uh, so she heads off, she, you know, the guys that come to pick her up are very funny, like worthless people from Starfleet that like wrap a sandwich in the uniform that they brought for her. I'm trying to think of a sandwich that you could wrap in a uniform and not get the uniform dirty. Very few sandwiches fit that description. It's a sandwich. Two pieces of bread and some meat. This is a drippy sandwich, too. Yeah. Like it drips sauce every time you see it on camera. That sucks. Yeah. What an asshole. 
Starbase City is starting to sound like a pretty bad place. There's that moment where you think for a second maybe this isn't happening, but she puts her thumb on the pad, she's transferred over, that shuttle takes off, and the Cerritos goes in a different direction toward Brecca. And uh, when we get to Brecca, an away team beams down, and Brecca is not looking great. No. It's all purple, first of all. You don't like that. Do you wait until it's the daytime? Was it the daytime? Is that what you, you know what? passes for daytime on Brecca? That was racist of me. <laughs> uh, you know, daytime and nighttime are social constructs, Adam. They really are. Yeah. But you got to be sensitive to the to the real world ramifications of daytime and nighttime. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I mean, like the buildings are all in like really bad shape. There's no people around. There's like palm trees that look like they're dying. <laughs> Brecca looks like a real dump. And uh, I think it's Jet that finds somebody like around, like cowering around a corner saying like, save yourselves. It's Ransom. Oh, it's Ransom. Fuck. God <laughs> fucking damn it. <laughs> Can't tell cartoons apart. <laughs> That's racist. <laughs> um, I appreciate that you were mouthing the real answer to me. That was nice. (laughs) I was trying. It's an audio medium. Yeah. yeah. Except, I mean, I'm looking at the camera when I say this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Everybody watching knows this is an audio medium. (laughs) (laughs) This city is teeming with breens. It's rotten with breens. And the breens have clearly laid some kind of surprise attack here because they just start opening fire from like elevated positions all over the place at these star fleets. Um, they're, you know, making their scary breen noises. Flashing their scary breen lights. Yeah. When they, uh, you think they change the colors to the lights during the holidays? Hmm. Probably do. Right. Yeah. That'd be fun. But what holiday do they celebrate on breen? Is breen the name of the planet or is it just the name of the people from the planet? I think it's both. I think it's all. Mm, mm. Um, And I think for some reason you call them breens. (laughs) I think you definitely need to do that. Yeah, that's what they are. Uh Never turn your back on some breens. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is a surprise attack that... uh, Do you think when you shoot a breen in the head, uh, the thing that splatters all over the wall is a... Breen brains. Mm. <laughs> uh, yeah, and uh, if if it splashes not onto a wall but onto, say, Jet's body, that would be Breen Brain Brawn. <laughs> Do you think if if you shoot the Breen in the stomach next, and it reveals the breakfast cereal that they had that morning, you'd be looking at at Breen Bran? <laughs> <laughs> brain brawn <laughs> yeah i do <laughs> and if you wanted somebody uh to get some of that over to where you are you would say bring the brain brand brain brawn over here winner winner chicken dinner so anyways this surprise attack follows them into orbit they do the emergency beam out and there's three brain ships and they've got that crazy weapon from the yeah. Dominion War with the electricity. And they take down the Cerritos' shields. And it's really looking bad. The Breen will really fuck you up. Yeah, they seriously will. And, and you know, three 
green ships on one Cali class is, I mean, just one green ship on a Cali class is an unfair fight. It's not a fair fight at all. And these Breen are not interested in destroying the Cerritos. They want to take it. Yeah. So they're getting ready to board the ship and they're like, they shoot these harpoons that are going to melt the glass and Shaxx and everybody are like getting ready for like close quarters Breen combat. Low-key, my favorite scene in this episode is when Shax tells Kayshawn, like, as they're watching the glass dissolve in front of him, Shax is like, they don't take prisoners. Like, <laughs> be ready to die, basically. Yeah. Temba, Shaka when the walls fell, or prepare yourself for Shaka when the walls <laughs> fell, is basically what he's, <laughs> he's saying. <laughs> Darmak and Jalad drown in the ocean <laughs> of Breen. What do you think of when you think of male grooming? Maybe it's a sharp haircut and a little bit of product, or a bit of the old beard wax twisted into the ends of a mustache. Maybe it's a shower, a shave, a little spritz of fragrance. Me? I think of shaving my nuts. And not just my nuts, all around those nuts. I'm talking all around those nuts. And this form of male grooming is hard to do when your junk looks like a log of Play-Doh rolled through a dustpan in a barber shop. It's wrinkly, it's wriggly, nothing stays in place, and it's the one area where you don't want to have an accident. That's why I'm glad we're sponsored by the spring cleaning champions at Manscaped. They sent me their brand new Lawnmower 5.0 Ultra. It's their fifth generation trimmer, featuring two interchangeable next-gen skin-safe blade heads, a standard one for taking a little bit off the top, and a new foil blade to go smooth wherever your heart desires. They also sent me an extra-large Manscaped t-shirt, which I will never wear, but it was nice of them to do. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code TREK at manscaped.com. Nothing like a little spring cleaning in your pants. I spent a lot of last week sick in bed. And one thing I was so happy I had when I needed something to eat but didn't really have the energy to cook myself something was Factor Meals. Got a couple of these in the fridge at all times and they are delicious, fresh, never frozen, chef-crafted meals. And they're ready to go in just about two minutes. And this is convenience food that is actually tasty and full of real ingredients and not hyper-processed crap. And they got you covered all throughout the day. They got pancakes, smoothies, grab-and-go bites, and uh, you can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause and reschedule deliveries at any time. So head to factormeals.com slash trek50 and use code trek50 to get 50% off. That's code trek50 at factormeals.com slash trek50 to get 50% off. Back for another game. You know it. What's going on? Just one more week till Max Fun Drive. Hard to believe. It's been a heck of a year since the last one. We're now a worker-owned co-op. We raised $50,000 for charity last year. And we've added a bunch of awesome new shows. But do you think we're ready to do it again? Absolutely. Lovely new gifts are lined up. The episodes will be amazing. And wait till everyone hears the bonus content. Yeah, plus they know to go to MaximumFun.org newsletter, so they're getting all the news. Oh, like that meetup day is on Thursday, March 21st. 
than what's bothering you. Me? Oh, nothing. We're all set for Max Fun Drive to start on Monday, March 18th. I just didn't want you to see this coming. Check. What? Hang on. Most of the plants humans eat are technically grass. Most of the asphalt we drive on is almost a liquid. The formula of WD-40 is San Diego's greatest secret. Zippers were invented by a Swedish immigrant love story. On the podcast Secretly Incredibly Fascinating, we explore this type of amazing stuff. Stuff about ordinary topics like cabbage and batteries and socks. Topics you'd never expect to be the title of the podcast. Secretly Incredibly Fascinating. Find us by searching for the word secretly in your podcast app. And at MaximumFun.org. One thing uh, watching Keishan this season has made me wonder is, is somebody updating the Memory Alpha list of uh, of Temerian metaphors? You hope so. Because we have that square on our board and we need, to, we need to know some of these new ones. And I have not been keeping track personally. No, I haven't either. Uh, but yeah, the, just in the nick of time, just before the Breens breach the glass, a, uh, another Starfleet ship drops out of warp. It's not a Titan. It's not a ship we've seen before. It's uh, not applicable when they scan it. Right. Uh, it's a drone ship, but it kicks the uh, asses of these Breen. Barely, barely saves the Cerritos. But uh, that last, that last Breen ship is like going in to to ram them, and uh, the ship destroys it just in the nick of time. Admiral Buenamigo shows up on Facetime to kind of claim this. Claim the the ships as his own. These are Texas class drone ships. This is uh, the USS Alito, the first of its kind. But he's built a bunch of them, and he's and he's just so excited about this uh, this proof of concept that they've gotten to uh, to show here today. Kind of makes you wonder if the Alito can be trusted. Like you probably do some interviewing of this ship before right. it gets the job and, and they probably tell you what they think is settled starship law. Right. Right. And you just sort of take them at their word. Yeah. Because you're a naive idiot that has somehow become a Senator. Yeah. Wild. Wow. What's interesting about this moment is that the reporters on the bridge for this scene, she's seen it all. Yeah. Uh, and she and Admiral Buenamigo kind of have a sidebar while, Freeman and Ransom kind of sotto voce go, what the hell happened? <laughs> like, we should be dead. Yeah, this reporter went out to do a story about Project Swing By or whatever, wound up uh, breaking a story about a newly declassified class of Starfleet vessel, these these uh, unmanned drone ships. And uh, this is this is big news, and we cut to like the TVs playing the news report, and what she's chosen to do is make a, a salacious, <laughs> like Inside Edition style report about what a bad captain Captain Freeman is, and like using you know very selective clips from the entire crew about like how much chilling out and partying they do. And if you're if you're an editorial news reporter with an effects budget i would say anytime you use the negative film dissolve 
<laughs> you should really question the efficacy of your reporting, maybe. Yeah, that's a real tell not show. <laughs> you, I don't think I've ever used this effect. Is that its name? Like when you negative yeah, yeah, I think it is. Yeah. It's, it turned out the Mariner I was- I never used it because I was telling the truth. Wow, yeah. honorable. Yeah. Hey, Adam, not all heroes wear capes. I didn't even remove anyone's blemishes because I want the truth. <laughs> <laughs> if anything, I turned the contrast up. <laughs> Uh, what a scandal. Yeah. Mariner was the only person being laudatory of Freeman. Yeah. You hear Mariner talk and she's saying really nice things about what it's like to be on the Cerritos. It sucks, but it's buried under this mountain of negativity. And the betas, when they see this, are like, man, everybody was just talking about like what's fun about the Cerritos, not realizing how damning that looks mm -hmm. from the perspective of someone not here that hasn't like been through the scrapes we've been through yeah and uh so they really feel like shit they feel like shit that uh they let their their friend down they're never gonna see her again and uh and you know freeman is like trying to call starbase 80 to get in touch it's so scary i think in a professional context to be like oh i fucked over my daughter <laughs> and i gotta make it right but then there's this added level of like, she resigned from a job I thought I stuck her with, and I have no idea where in the universe my daughter is. Right. It's uh, kind of, uh, kind of a, a damning rebuke of the choices that she's been making. Like, you yeah. hope that Freeman is able to learn from a moment like this. She's not scared enough to use the Cerritos to find her daughter, though. And I think that's pretty interesting, right? Yeah. If only she knew an admiral that she could get special permission from to go do that. It seems like Freeman is a parent who has had a daughter run away from home before, maybe even several times, and has always come back, which is why she doesn't treat this with the, <laughs> yeah, as an emergency that it might be for some other people. Right, right. Yeah, well, yeah, I guess I, uh, I guess we're, we're here again. Yeah, yeah. This old chestnut. Turns out Mariner has a new job. Yeah. She's working with that, uh, that hot archaeologist lady. From a few episodes ago. Pretty neat, huh? Pretty cool. I mean, you knew she was going to pop back up again. Yeah. We should name check her. I couldn't. She doesn't. Petra Aberdeen. Petra Aberdeen. You I got it. I looked for her uh, for her name on the IMDb and it wasn't on there. I was I was maddened by that. Petra and Mariner are going to be partners now. Yeah. Professionally. And uh, do some, some looting of temples. <laughs> and Mariner seems happy, but not, not the some sort- Some raiding of tombs, if you will. Hell yeah, let's mummy it up. You know how there's a happy that comes at the expense of someone's sadness, like a vengeful happiness that some characters in TV and movies have? Like, sure, ha sure. fuck you. <laughs> this doesn't seem like that for Mariner. Mariner seems like comfortable and happy doing this kind of work with someone that she digs on. Yeah. There, it, it's not spite happy yeah. in this moment. And that kind of makes you think that there is a permanence to this arrangement that I think serves the episode and this moment as it ends. Truly. This could have felt like the end of a season cliffhanger moment. Yeah. And I think you're very conscious of the fact that this is the second to last episode in a season. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't feel like you're like a full-blown cliff kid. 
mm-hmm. uh, as a result. But um, it is an interesting note to end on. Uh, and uh, I guess the only other question I have for you is, did you like this episode? Yeah, I really did. I thought it was like as a season, this is this is consistent with how much I've liked episodes throughout. I, this does not distinguish itself as my favorite of the season or my least favorite, but an interesting first part of a of what's clearly a two parter or maybe even a three parter if this carries over in the next season. Yeah, but I think one aspect to it that I hadn't considered until you brought it up just now was that last season's cliffhanger had to do with Freeman and whether or not she was going to be in trouble for quote unquote crimes she was purported to have committed. And this is a case that feels familiar in that way. And I, I would say like I'm tempering how I feel about the episode because I don't want it to go down that, that repetitive road of seasons finale that this show specifically has done. Yeah. Like I'm down with a cliffhanger. Hang me off of that cliff. Love it. But make the cliffs distinct. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's Tuvok holding your hand. Sometimes it's Commander Riker just uh hanging off a cliff in anybody canyon. Sometimes it's like it's like hard shale. Other times it's like viney. Mm. Yeah, nice to have those vines. Something to grip on. Sometimes you're hanging on a cliff and a waterfall's like <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, sometimes you're you're hanging on like the one half of the rope bridge that you were crossing. Yeah. Oh, that's scary. Yeah. Sometimes uh you're wearing a glove and Sylvester Stallone is trying to Oof. to hold on to you. Yeah. But but he just he holds the glove. Your glove comes off. So sometimes you're a raccoon and Jim Carrey is holding on to you. <laughs> Hang on! Did you like this episode, Ben? I did like the episode. Yeah, I think um, it felt like it threw a lot of jokes away in a way that Loredex hasn't felt like it was doing as much lately. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I feel like this season, especially like the episodes have been more Swiss watchy where like everything is serving kind of one idea. And this had a lot of just like tossed off discrete jokes that didn't necessarily impact the story in a way that was a little bit refreshing in a way. I really like that observation. I am with you. Like, I like the volume of jokes and the idea that some of them hit and some of them are at another crew person and some of them are just muttered to themselves like... I like that variety of comedy. Totally, totally. And um, yeah, so I mean, for that reason and the reason that it was just like an interesting story and, you know, I don't think that we could have gone much longer without closing the loop on the Petra Aberdeen Mm -hmm. uh, overture this season. So yeah, overall, really liked it. Can't wait to see uh, the season finale, which I will remind folks, we're going to be doing on Thursday. It's only like a couple of days away. That's crazy. You're crazy, man. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Well, uh, do you want to see if we got anything crazy in the Priority One inbox, Adam? Not too crazy, I hope. Priority One message from Starfleet coming in on Secured Channel. Ben, we have a promotional Priority One message in the box today. Whoa. And here's what that message says. Beaming down to a planet is always risky. You might find an Armis or the Vasquez Rocks. But beaming down and going down Mm. for democracy is easy. (laughs) 
And so is showing off your civic pride for voting all the way down the ballot. And go down for democracy.com can help. <laughs> Whether showing that, yeah, you go down the ballot, or that you're going to lick it and stick it, your mail in ballot, that is, there are <laughs> options for all friends of DeSoto. So go to beamdownfordemocracy.com and enter code DeSoto at checkout for 10% off. Ben, this is a message from uh, from a longtime friend of the show. That's true. Uh, and their call to action is visit beamdownfordemocracy.com to tell your friends that you are going down for democracy this year. So to unsexualize the message, this is not only about voting for progressive candidates uh, at the top of the ballot, but but following through and going all the way down the ballot uh, to the uh, the neck, the crack, the uh, etc. The, the pussy in the back of the ballot, you know. Uh, yeah, and uh, the going down the ballot is uh, super duper important. I mean. Um, have, Think of all the destruction down ballot candidates have have wrought <laughs> over the years for for the inattention that collectively we've given them. Right. right. And like, um, I mean, in Los Angeles, uh, we recently moved our city council and mayoral elections to be on the same days as national elections. So they're, you know, the midterms and the and the and the regular like presidential election years. We also vote for our city council people. That might not be true in your area. We have found in L.A. that like way, way better candidates are getting elected since we did that because it was only the like super invested and, you know, people with with particular interests that were paying attention before that. And uh, <laughs> if you've been following Los Angeles politics news at all, uh you will find that a lot of our garbage city council people are, uh, uh, you know, having to leave office in disgrace or being federally indicted lately because they were corrupt idiots. And you've got to focus on these down ballot things like these people have a huge influence about how your life is, what your what your town or city or municipality is like. Uh, if you're uh, if you're going to go vote. Like, do the work, research all of the candidates, look for a voter guide uh, in your area, and, uh, and vote down ballot. It's really, really important. And uh, go to go to Beam Down for Democracy. What is it? BeamDownForDemocracy.org? Here's the thing. Go Down for Democracy is the official website. BeamDownForDemocracy.com for Friends of DeSoto. Ben, I've gone to this website, and the 10% off code is good for a bunch of really fun merch there. I like this merch store. Uh, I'm definitely going to get myself a t-shirt. I'm, I'm going to lick it and stick it this year, I think. I just appreciate Sam giving us an opportunity to talk about this stuff, because I really do care about this. And, you know, it might take you another 45 minutes to, like, do all the research for all the little, like, ballot initiatives and comptroller races in your area. But hey, it's ben, totally worth it. Sometimes it takes 45 minutes to finish. Yeah. Sometimes it's just how long it takes. Sometimes. That's the right amount. <laughs> hey, if you've got a priority one message for us, uh, it could be politically suggestive or sexually suggestive or some combination of the two. <laughs> you can take it on over. We take all comers. 
MaximumFun.org slash Jumbotron is how you get those messages read on the show. Uh, we've got some openings in Greatest Trek at the moment. Yeah, some, uh, oftentimes... Some gaping openings <laughs> that you're going to want to cram your Priority One messages into. That's not always the case. So if you've got a message with kind of an urgency to it, uh, we're probably going to hit the date. Indeed. Hey, Ben. What's that, Adam? Did you discover yourself in Edward Larkin? Got to give it to that security guard that's trashing the pies. Um, I think that the thing that put it over the top for me was uh, when he, like, for effect threw the tray in after the pies. Yeah. (laughs) What's that tray good for without the pies? Yeah, you don't need that tray anymore. I mean, yeah. It really makes you think like they don't need a lot of storage for like durable goods on starships because they could just replicate everything. And they can destroy everything, too. Yeah. How how much easier is moving? I just had to move lately. How much easier would moving be if you could just replicate the things that you needed on site and the and only the irreplaceable stuff was the stuff that you moved? The moving truck just contains an industrial replicator. So you take everything out of your house, throw it into the truck and it disappears you know what you're describing, though, is the act of moving, <laughs> which true. I do not like. Yeah, yeah. Picking things up and taking things out of your house, not yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah. Oof. I was thinking I might ask you to help me move a, a table in my office when you came over today, but realizing that you've what you've just been through, I can't possibly. I'm looking at the camera. I'm looking at your table. I'm looking at you. <laughs> I think we all know the answer here. Did you have an Edward Larkin? Yeah, it was in reference to one of those jokes that got thrown away throughout this episode. Yeah. When the Breen attack the Cerritos and the drone ship protects them from those photons, Shax says they covered the spread, Captain. (laughs) Which is a gambling reference. Yeah, I wondered about that. It sounded like a gambling reference. I mean, and this is like, this is peak football betting season for me. Yeah. I'm, I mean, I'm surprised I'm even here with the, <laughs> with the football betting that I could be doing right at this very moment. All I do is bets, bets, bets. No but yeah, that, uh, that definitely perked up my ears. Maybe we will learn something about Shaxx and his, and his interests as a result of a reference like this. But yeah, they covered the spread means one thing, but also means something else. Yeah, it's fun. And uh, an example of of a throwaway line that, like, in its scene is not regarded as a joke or a weird oddity, but to us, the viewer, certainly is. So uh, that's going to earn my Edward Larkin. Speaking of Star Trek and football, Adam, did you see that Green Bay Packleds meme that was going around? I did. And with how badly the Packers are doing this year, it wouldn't surprise me if there are fucking Packleds wearing those helmets this year. (laughs) (laughs) Fucking bad season. Oh, no, buddy. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> Pretty ugly. Uh. <laughs> I don't know, man. Maybe you shouldn't do a bunch of ayahuasca before a football season. Maybe it maybe it changes too much about your killer instinct, you know? <laughs> maybe, maybe you just lose that competitive edge. Maybe you should look for things that make you score. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, that just about does it for us today. We gotta we gotta move on, Adam. We gotta we got to do some more recording here, IRL. I got to move a table, yeah, I guess. Yeah, I'm going to make you 
for some fucking reason. I'm making you move a table, but we're going to throw it to our guest editor this week, Allie Love, to read you some credits, tell you about the uh, exciting next episode of Greatest Trek, which, reminder, is coming on Thursday. Wow. Clear your schedules on Thursday. Nothing else to listen to on Thursday. I don't know why I'm so worried that people won't listen to the... (laughs) finale episode you don't you don't think people are subscribed to the show you think they manually download the show i don't know wendy told me to like remind people and i'm like worried that i'm not reminding people enough (laughs) that's right if you listen to the episodes the day they come out and you're listening to this one on tuesday that means this thursday you're gonna get a second episode of greatest trek on the season finale of lower decks absolutely free in your in your podcatcher of choice well Uh, That just about does it for this episode. Take it away, Allie. Thanks, Allie. Greatest Trek is an Uxbridge Shimoda podcast on the Maximum Fun Network. It's hosted by Ben Harrison and Adam Pranica. It's produced by Wendy Pretty and edited this week by Allie Love. Coming up on Lower Decks, Season 3, Episode 10, The Stars at Night. In the Season 3 finale, the Cerritos crew must prove their worth in a mission race. Thanks to Adam Ragusea for all the original music on the show. Check out his podcast and YouTube cooking channel. Bill Tilly runs the social media for Uxbridge Shimoda. Stay in touch by following at Greatest Trek on Instagram and Twitter. And use the hashtag Greatest Trek when you talk about the show online. We love your five-star ratings and reviews in your podcatcher of choice. And we really appreciate the members who are giving monthly to help keep these shows going. You can join as a member at MaximumFun.org join. If you'd like to purchase a P1 for the Friends of DeSoto in your life, go to MaximumFun.org Jumbotron. Thanks for listening. We'll see you later this week on Greatest Trek. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.